Clive DeCarl here, another edition of the Health Revolution, and I'm so pleased to welcome Amanda Volmer. Amanda is uh, just a brilliant natural health expert, and I'm hoping to learn loads from today's conversation. And uh, Amanda, a place that I'd be interested to start, if this suits you, would be your application of cell salts. Uh, because I believe this is something that you're significantly into as a, a way forward. Can we talk about that? Yeah, that's and thank you, Clive, for this wonderful chat that we're about to have and for all the work that you do. And I do have some of the machines that I've got from you also we can talk about um, in my Rife machine and some books and things. I've got props today. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, tissue salts. I really understand things. And I think we do as a whole on layers of knowledge, right? You, oh, tissue salts are, what are they? You know, in school, they would have been, oh, we, they're homeopathics of specific um, 12 biochemical um, salts that our cells manufacture for optimal production and health, right? That's what, that's what I was taught in naturopathic college. So they could be in deficiency states where the cells are not bioelectrically working properly. And we're taking them, the, the preparation being in the homeopathic or vibrational sphere, more so than the you know, chemical sphere, even though they sort of uh, tr go through both, <laughs> they dance through both, to bolster the cells to upregulate their organization because disorganized cells are in ill health and organized cells transmit and function properly or optimally. And that there are different functions for each of the 12 uh, biochemical tissue cells with Dr. which Dr. Schussler um, identified back in the day. And we use them for all kinds of variety bone health, growth issues, dentition problems, you name it, it's going to upregulate cell activity and organize the cell electrochemically. And that's really one of the reasons we take them and, and use them. And so um, they're homeopathic, yet they seem to have other properties would you say other than the straight homeopathic properties should people be considering taking one of the tissue salts or you know should they consider taking all of them or what what would be if somebody's interested in this because not enough people know about it how should they go about getting knowledge or using them depending on which realm you want to travel in excuse me <clears throat> there is a lot of depth to the awareness of what's going on, like what they're used for. And there's even astrology connected to the 12 biochemical tissue salts. So if you want to approach it from a, from a more energetic front, um, then you can look up your own astrological aspect of the, of the tissue salt. I believe that's George W. Carey's work. And there are others who have done this work too where like my primary so, sun sign, if you will, that's Leo. And so 
the Leo tissue salt is MagFoss. That tends to be the one that I use more of being my nature, in my nature. And therefore you can start there if you're just looking generally, you know, what is my astrological solar sign, which also with the Vedic system can get confusing, but just simplify it. Here's the birthday. Let's just start with that. And then they suggest on the, there's a, a chart that's a circular chart. They suggest the, the two flanking tissue salts also tend to be, become more deficient in you. And th so those would be the first three that you would begin to work with and either muscle test or um, make sure each morning you check your energy levels rated out of 10, see if that's affecting you in what way. And general use is five tablets melted in the mouth um, between three and five times a day, but you can also dose them quite high um, depending on the state of your, you know, of your being. And, uh, or you can go and look up, you know, a chart, like what are these tissue salts serving in the body and where are my deficiencies? Skin, hair, nails, that might be silica deficiency, um, cramping in the, any of the muscles that might be magfoss, um, certain types of, um, uh, inflammations could be the calis, some of the phosphoruses, you know, and then apply them accordingly. Or I have, uh, remedies, a remedy list, including tissue salts for broken bones. And if you look up tissue salts and broken bones, you'll get a list of like calc and some of the other phosphoruses that come in to help um, upregulate or accelerate the healing process. So I guess it depends on how you come into it. Do you want to just look at it from the physical side where, because it's such a low potency of homeopathy that you actually do get the original salt material in side of the tissue salts, <clears throat> as opposed to uh, past 30 CH um, potency where you're past Avogadro's number, there's no actual original molecular substance in that. It's just based on more of the memory of the water taking the frequency and imprinting it onto the sugar that you're utilizing. Um, so you can approach it from, I have a physical concern, I want to use tissue salts, or I have a mental emotional concern, I want to use tissue salts, or I want to look at it from the astrology and the energetics in, of my terrain and look at it from that perspective so there's a few ways to go at it so when we look at homeopathy we, we look at the more dilute it is the stronger it is is that the same with tissue salts well the tissue salts are quite regulated um to 6x or, or 12x um which x is deca um so it's 10 10 dilutions and succussions um is sequentially and that tends to be um, still a vibrational therapy, meaning that the organization of the remedy is, is, is there. And it's that structured organization of the water as it is imprinting the memory that's really the most important aspect of on the, you know, from homeopathy perspective. And you can get more and more subtle the more that you potentize it with that action because because of the way that water works we can um, agitate it to vibrate the whatever it is surrounding so these the a tet of 
of water will surround a molecule of substance, could be a poisonous substance, could be any substance that's natural or unnatural, and the water will surround it 10 water molecules. And as you agitate and agitate, the water takes the shock and takes the imprint of, the, of that structure. And as we get further into the dilutions and succussions, it seems like it organizes it more and more and more and more. So we get less and less original substance, but more and more potency of the memory of the imprint of what that is and its offerings to the body, which can vary. I don't know if I answered the question. <laughs> you want to repeat yeah, that? yeah, no, no, you, okay. you, I would say. So let's say somebody has, is getting all the symptoms of magnesium deficiency, muscle cramps, twitches, constipation, heart arrhythmia, whatever it might be. Are you suggesting that all they would need is the tissue salts, or would they still need bulky physical magnesium additionally? Well, that's that symptom picture you described is quite overt. My first instinct is usually to go for the molecular. I mean, get the actual substance that we're supposed to be ingesting uh, inside of us because we are, there's matter um, forming together. There's, we still have, you know, fats and solids and things. We're not just all vibrating light. Well, we are, but yet we've still made it dense. So we're adding something in dense to contribute to that communication and then see if that resolves. So I usually start would start with something more obvious, um, like the elemental approach. And then once that's built up and you still have symptoms, now you have to question the cellular communication, the cellular organization. Um, do they have enough uh, structured water? Is, is there, um, are there amunctories flowing properly? Are, is there, are there meridians communicating properly? Are there blockages? You know? And so I usually start like with the gross, with the, with the more obvious, and then work toward the subtle. And tissue salts are somewhere in the middle. Um, if it's a subtle approach, like they're just feeling a little off or um, they're not sleeping well. Um, and constipation can be part of that picture too. But I usually would say, okay, well, where are you willing to start? <laughs> because you also have compliance. What's gonna give you your bang for your buck and that sort of stuff. So that's usually why we got here. Take, make sure you've got your essence. Do you have enough magnesium? Do you have enough potassium? Do you have enough iodine? Do you have enough? Do you have enough of the building blocks to actually do the work? And then once that's solved and you still have other symptoms, that's when you're like, okay, let's fix the bioelectricity. Let's make sure that everything is being communicated properly in the body and you have flow rather than stagnation. And that's where I really find the tissue salts to be very helpful. And in children rapidly growing, you know, with a lot of cell turnover, that tends to be a go-to um, that I would even start with in a lot of those cases because they're not so deficient generally. I'm, you know, reading the history of them or whatever's gone on. I, you know, tissue salts are easy to administer to a child. You're not going to get any overdose issues. You're not going to get any diarrhea or any of that stuff. So it's also a good place to start with children or um, our pets. Um, and so there's a different kind of approach there. So uh, a while ago, somebody very kindly gave me some books on tissue salts, 
and in these books there are photographs of different facial types and showing how to spot what they're deficient in by by that is is that a a sort of diagnostic method you tend to use just looking at the person and and seeing what they need i i have that book and it's it's actually quite fascinating you know to look at different aspects of the face basically it's like facial reading because you can also do that <clears throat> um to find out like emotional states and other stressors and i remember going to a festival like 20 years ago and this woman she was doing face readings i'm like what are you <laughs> face readings and she told me everything about myself <laughs> with that and i was blown away and also there's a lot of acupuncture endpoints in the head as well um i think if you are have a certain type of mind that would be an excellent diagnostic tool it's not one I readily use because I find it a little more complicated. Uh, and anyway, I wish we could get to the day where we could get so subtle, like people just come in with really subtle ailments rather than like, you know, I'm in the hospital dying, help me kind of stuff, which we're seeing a lot more of now. Um, but that type of diagnostic tool um, is very specific, takes a keen eye, and you really have to know what you're looking for. So there's quite a bit of training, I would say, to really use it well um, for the value. Um, otherwise, it's just more of interest and an understanding. And also, say you take a case, you're reviewing notes, you're contemplating where to approach, then you might pull that in in that case, because maybe they complained, you know, they have one drooping side of the face, or they or they have wrinkles on in an area that's very much bothering them. And they brought it out into the when you were doing the case taking. Then that would be a book to consult with or to confirm. You suspect they're deficient in this tissue salt. It seems likely. Let's confirm. You know, get a picture of their face, get their tongue, go and and read it, and then you'll. It's like a validation. Ah, yes, we're on the right track because they have a lot of the similar features to a deficiency in that tissue salt. So it can be very handy. And, you know, there are manufacturers out there offering all 10, 10 salts together in one tablet. Is that a way to go? I, I suggest general use to make sure you're not going into deficiency states, then you can take the melange on a regular basis. Um, you know, sort of like pulsing something here and there to make sure you're not going into deficiencies, then I find melange is, is handy because it's just easy. You'll get more compliance. You'll, you might remember more, <laughs> make sure you're taking it. Um, then if you want to get more specific, you, you go into multiples. Um, like I give my daughter melange just here and there, make sure she's not, you know, dropping down in any level. So it's definitely useful to, to, to do the, the, the melange which is all of the I think it is only 10 yeah in in that particular one and so with your daughter how often would you suggest for her for instance she, sh she should take that mix well I usually we tend to have cycles we'll have monthly cycles um so within each month I just make sure that I've topped her up with the tissue salts I'll give her um, usually before bed, I'll give her about five of a mix. I, I'm very intuitive with a lot of these things at this stage anyway, and I know her intimately, so I know where 
where she might need some extra. And I'll do that for about three to five days and then I'll stop. And that's pretty much what I do um, for the month. And then if she's feeling something particular, then I will also give it for that. Like um, if she's having pain in the long bones, she's been growing. So she's beginning some specific pains in the long bones that the magnesium's topicals and the internals not really taken care of. So, um, and then I'm, I'm looking at other things. Maybe there's a calcium absorption issue and this sort of thing. So I'll up her vitamin D levels, this, this sort of thing. So you're always kind of tweaking it and, and adding in um, extra supports. And that's sort of how I dose her particularly because she doesn't really get major sicknesses. She gets like a purge every now and again with a hot fever, it's over in a day because I never injected her with anything or, or poisoned her at birth. And it's amazing to see what a natural system actually does. <laughs> um, and they don't need as much as the damaged systems need. Um, so it becomes, it's actually a, little, a lot easier to parent <laughs> when you don't damage your child at birth. <laughs> well, yes, absolutely. So I don't know if there's anything else you want to add about tissue sorts or whether we could slip on to the next subject you you mentioned structured water clearly there are loads of ways to structure water if if you were wanted to do it on a budget structure your water on on, on a budget what would you do uh i would probably find a local spring and make sure the spring water wasn't too hard of a water because um, some spring water can be hard water depending on the rock that they're um, like when it comes out of the ground, the rock that it might be sitting in. Uh, and then I would drink that as that's pretty much <laughs> structured water. Um, or you could uh, collect uh, rainwater even, it's structured water. Uh, your own urine contains structured water, that's free. And also you can vortex water. So if you're not sure, like if you have RO water, then you can take a large stir stick you know, a stick literally and vortex it. I tend to go clockwise when I vortex, but I'm sure I actually haven't looked into counterclockwise and if it structure it, structures it otherwise, but my intuition is to go uh, clockwise and vortex it like as if there's a tornado inside of it. And that helps to reorganize a lot of the water. That's probably the cheapest and easiest way you can buy coils like from Victor Schauberger. Um, I think Victor Schauberger's websites and stuff even have some devices that I don't know if they're too expensive or not. Um, if you want, if you do have a little budget, um, I have a lot of his books um, on the living water and he talks about how water wants to naturally coil. Um, the water wizard is a really cool one, that book. And then nature as teacher as well with the coiling talks a lot about that. And um, I would say to these devices, like I have one, it's actually copper and it goes in a coil and then you can pour the water, you know, through it and it will do it for you. So there are like little eggs or there's all kinds of little devices where you can pour your water through and it'll spin it for you. It'll coil it for you, which will, um, force it to uh, restructure itself into some H3O2. So H3O2 is considered the crystalline structure of water. So it's an, it's an in-between, it's the fourth phase 
of Water that Gerald Pollock teaches, um, where he got some of those ideas from Gilbert Ling, you know, and, and, we're, and it's exploding now. We're really starting to understand that we are made of this type of layered, structured, organized water. And the water that we drink, if it's structured, helps us um, to have proper uh, um, electron function and cell communication in the body in tune with all of our other substances and that it's very vital to life. And this is why we, we need the sun. <laughs> we need that biophotonic energy because being in sunlight organizes the waters of you as well. So just being outside in sun and doing deep breathing will structure your water or being uh, because of UV and infrared light. Both of those lights will structure water. And a lot of the devices that we buy that heal us, I mean, we can even argue, you know, Tesla machines and Rife machines and so forth. A lot of them add in a lot of these frequencies to help our body structure the water, uh, also called uh, uh, exclusion zone water, easy water which is the H3O2, which some people call hexagonal water. So there's a lot of terms for it now um, and a lot of devices that will help do, do that for us. But ultimately, vortexing your water, spinning your water, or I make um, water like this. This, If you put a crystal in your water, simple, um, it will begin to organize and structure because it's lending the information. The crystal itself is lending information to the water like a memory of, remember when you used to organize yourself? <laughs> there you go, do that. And you can spin this. I, I think all exposures to na the natural world are healing, including moonlight, starlight, all of that. So this particular water I made on the last big full eclipse of the moon. So this is eclipse moon water exposed with crystal to add even more memory and information to it. Um, like a supercomputer kind of idea. So we can do all kinds of stuff. That's free. Getting a few crystals, dig some crystals out of the ground, add it to water, you know, expose it to nature, um, pray over it, bless it. Like Dr. Emoto, you know, was one of the pioneers to teach us that water holds memory and that water changes depending on what it's exposed to. Um, it's really powerful knowledge. Well, quite. Um... There's a fabulous website, I don't know whether you've come across it, called Dancing with Water. Dancing with Water, it's MJ Pangman, and she's got a book of the same title. And she sells some very, very interesting devices and various crystals to affect water. And she's been at it for a long time. I've done a few interviews with her over the years. Really, very, very. She was probably the first person who taught me about hydrogen mm. and the value of hydrogen. And you mentioned about face reading. I've got another video, which hopefully is still around somewhere, with a woman whose name originally was Naomi Tikel, and she is a face reader. And but everybody didn't call her Naomi Tikel; they called her uh, Mrs. Tickle, and she actually changed her name to to Tickle because people preferred it that way. And she's incredible. She's absolutely incredible. She's got a couple of books out about it. And she can look at a baby and say, that baby will be a musician, that baby will be a mechanic, that 
you know, and she describes how she does it. And her books have photographs of all the different facial structures. And she generally, if if she does consultations for people, and she asks for a uh, one one you know profile picture and a side picture, and she she gets measuring tools to accurately measure tiny you know tiny little millimeter differences. And she 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 said that. Um, she wanted to get her house uh, remodeled and she knew exactly what she was looking for and she got various builders to come round and give her a quotation and when she found the right one how she knew it was that this man had the perfectionist eyes so there are certain professions where close-up work is very useful for instance like jewelers dentists and their eyes tend to be very close together hmm. and then you know there are all sorts of other characteristics for musicians for whatever it might be and she can tell from birth and she's got an accuracy rate that that's proven to be like over 90 percent um, wow. and so with the you know there are things like some eyes go up at the, the side some go down and various things so uh in her book she she describes how to see the perfectionist face and so when she finally chose this builder over all the others um all the people that he employed also had the perfectionist face because he, he as a perfectionist he wouldn't accept any shoddy labor he, you know so he only employed other perfectionists who had the same facial structure so yeah fascinating uh recently i a couple of weekends ago i went to um a conference of uh, an anti-aging conference and the primary things that people were talking about were about the peptides uh mm -hmm. the russian work with the peptides <clears throat> uh, have you ever tried peptides yourself as a supplement well, I'm taking a few different peptides right now. However, I find them very stimulatory. And because of what I'm trying to heal with the damage uh, that dentists did to my teeth and um, other structures here, I find it actually triggers me into having a migraine. So I've had to stop. I'm taking... Um, other adaptogens, which I know from research show mitochondrial length uh, or telomere length is increased using some of these. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so that I've been working with a little bit on the side and um, taking on a regular basis. Uh, but like the fistine and some of the, and the NADH and some of these other things, I find they're very they're too stimulatory. Maybe it's too raw or something. And I have to be careful to not to overstimulate. Um, but I would say the really anti-aging idea would be the organizing quality, including of, of these peptides, because the proteins and peptides in us must be organized accordingly. And when they are, you have proper um, electrical conductivity. So everything gets <clears throat> arranged like a perfectionist <laughs> inside of our bodies. God is the ultimate perfectionist. God, if God has a face, then it's a perfectionist face. Mm -hmm. um, but 
you know, has this organizing quality. And, and I would assume that when we put in the peptides, we're adding to the organization or trying to add to that organization to increase signal strength, you know, of our transistors, of our batteries, um, and, and keep those layers nice and clear. Cause apparently there's like at least hundreds of layers, maybe thousands of layers between water and substance alternating, making us like big battery packs. So if you want to stay younger, you don't want degraded um, tissues and you certainly don't want disorganized peptides <laughs> and peptides are signal molecules or part of that signal molecule pass along. Uh, at least in some capacity, maybe even as a holder or a storage unit of some sort of the of the biophotonic energy, right? So it makes sense how it works with anti-aging. What is aging? Well, it's the disorganization and dehydration of the system, right? So we're trying to do the opposite, add in the organization and add in the hydration. And that then means we're functioning optimally at beyond the speed of light, probably as far as our as far as the communications go, because you know, obviously I'm moving my hands and that I, I'm not thinking I should move my hand. And then, it, you know, it's, it's instantaneous. The thought to action is instantaneous. It's speed of light quality. So, but what, what, um, what kinds of uh, peptides were they promoting the most? In well, the, uh... the, you know, the original peptide work started about 45 years ago in Russia and the person in charge of it then was, uh, Professor Vladimir Kavinson, and he's still going great because he's been doing the peptides. And so he's been working on it now for 45 years. And the the best-selling peptide is the pineal peptide because uh, of partly its function of creating melatonin. So I don't know whether you know, but they've been doing a lot of work with melatonin and cancer. And Whereas the normal dose of melatonin for a normal person might be one milligram, two milligrams, maybe three, they're giving uh, between 100 and 200 milligrams to cancer clients, cancer patients. And the, the you might know this research, but years ago, they happened to be researching women who were blind, completely blind. They just saw black. So their melatonin never ever turned off and they never got cancer. Right? People whose melatonin doesn't turn off, they don't get cancer. You know, you probably maybe also know that cancer tumors only form in the daytime. They don't form at nighttime because you've got melatonin going around your system, assuming you don't have a light source, which then turns off the melatonin you know every hour or so we come out of REM sleep and we open our eyes very briefly maybe subconsciously make sure everything's cool and then we uh if if the room is dark then we go right back into REM sleep but if we've woken up and seen a light then we won't get back into full REM sleep again so cancers only happen in the daytime and melatonin is just incredible so to boost your own melatonin levels, <clears throat> you want to decalcify your pineal gland. And the peptides are, I said, what well, it turns out that the pineal peptide over the last 45 years of research 
is the best seller. Now, when I say research, it's not like, you know, the research they've done with the thing they shove in your arms of, you know, 10 ferrets all died and that's enough. In the, uh, in Russia, they were following up thousands of people for 20 years. You know, not just taking a sample of 40 or something, tens of thousands of people for some of the research. And so the, uh, this is, if anybody's really interested, this is a book that uh, all about the peptides and the, the development process. But uh, I'm using one for teeth. In Japan, they're, they're actually properly regrowing teeth now, but that's not quite available yet. But various other uh, peptides are available from you know, liver to kidneys to eyes. Personally, I'm taking the circulation peptide, the pineal peptide, I'm taking the eye peptide, the retina peptide, and the thymus. You know, the thymus being the one you take to prevent anything, you know, bacterial infections or in anything that might be pathogenic. The blood, the blood circulation one is a, one of the, the absolute top sellers. You know, thy, thymus, blood circulation top sellers, then uh, I'm doing the, the eye one, but some people do the lung one or the liver one or whatever they whatever they feel you you can put together maybe three perhaps four peptides at, at a time and i've just done a one month course and now i might do another 10 days then i'll probably stop for six months because as you're indicating you know, one way to describe the peptides is as gene switches you know your genes don't determine your fate as you know but of course, doctors still believe your genes do determine your fate because they don't understand epigenetics. So the peptides are like the adaptogens, another method of getting epigenetic control and switching your genes to full-on positive rather than anything less. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, the uh, the DNA is basically like structured light as well, and it's determining and, and directing proton folding and other communication. It's almost like little mini antenna inside of us. And I think a lot of what they're actually extracting that they're calling DNA is that is structured is the structured water component, which will actually solidify. They've done um, studies or Pollock did this study where, you know, they could actually heart make water hard, like a, like a, a hardened bit of wire. It kind of looks like that stringy glue that when you extract DNA, the same sort of material. And the melatonin is really important. Um, I mean, people should be sleeping in a fully dark room and also should reduce a lot of the light, like the synthetic light that they're exposed to in, in the evening time, because balancing the circadian rhythm is super important to getting your melatonin production appropriate. Um, I mean, if you can see your hand in front of your face like 12 inches when you're going to bed, then it's too, it's too much light in the room, should be a dark room. Um, and it increases, like melatonin production increases in the pineal gland and the gut. Um, so people's guts are off too, right? And then they're not also producing melatonin properly. But that pathway converts serotonin to melatonin from the gut, 
but it's only after four hours of complete darkness, right? Um, so that artificial light is definitely a problem and all the screen time in our face and this sort of stuff and cancer rates can be going up just from that deficiency. Uh, even candlelight, even candlelight will suppress it, but it's only like a couple percentage, but LEDs will suppress it by like 80%. That's pretty massive. And it's not just about falling asleep and all this stuff. Obviously people are like, oh, I take it before bed so I can fall asleep, but that's not really the main role of it. It's um, like, pro it has a relationship with prolactin, for example, and prolactin is a uh, signals growth hormone, right? Growth hormone, we probably, you probably, they probably talked a lot about growth hormone at that, at that conference you went to for anti-aging. I know they, they like that one too, uh, quite a bit, but um, you know, it will, you know, keep you slim if you have enough um, uh, growth hormone, um, so you create lean muscle, protein synthesis, all that kind of stuff. And the relationship to the mitochondria, which is really your batteries of your cell, the mitochondria make the structured water, make the bio, bio photon communication, communicate with the DNA, everything. So mitochondria communicate uh, about autophagy and apoptosis principles. So if your mitochondria are not working properly, then you're not you're not going to have this melatonin cycle. You're not, you know, there's other factors involved. Um, and the apoptosis relationship to the mitochondria relationship to the, the growth hormone relationship, the prolactin, and then the, the melatonin is what keeps the cancer cells, you know, cleaned up because of the apoptotic, apoptotic mechanism. So it's, it's a whole chain reaction to get you to the body into autophagy and to clean up damaged tissue and damaged cells. And that's why, you know, as a ma major antioxidant, um, when we're sleeping, we're supposed to lower our inflammation levels as we're sleeping. We're not supposed to be digesting food. We're not supposed to be, you know, staying up real late and whatever. And, um, and then there's electron leakage that can happen inside the mitochondria if we don't do this. So now you're burnt out all day because you didn't have the rest enough to get the inflammation under control and cytochrome one and three that's part of our natural metabolism has electron leakage so guess what you're going to feel tired you're going to need stimulants like coffee and all this kind of you know endless cycle um because we're not getting the mitochondrial upregulated, and that's a lot of aging i mean cancer inflammation mitochondrial dysfunction what's going to happen? You're going to leak, you're going to drain, you're going to age, right? Simple as that. And there's all these different ways that we can get to that source and fix that source. Well, yes. Well, very good. So, you know, there's so much new stuff being coming out all over the place. What, what, what have you learned recently? You thought, wow, you treated somebody and got an incredible result. Well, I mean, I haven't been really taking clients for the last sort of year, just emergency cases, really. Um, so, so it's funny because stopping my, like how I was doing things and all this change that I've been going through, but then with all the shots and damage getting like weird, the weirdest cases ever. I mean, I've had a lot of weird cases, but this is just, you know, so my emergency med game had to pick up a notch, <laughs> like 
that person's having a heart attack. What are you going to do now? You know, that person's having a stroke. What are you going to do now? How are you going to have stroke recovery? I've been working on a new course on stroke recovery and doing um, like all these PowerPoint presentations. That's what I feel like I do all day. I'm like PowerPoint presentation, <laughs> you know, gather, gather, gather. Here's how you solve this. Here's how you solve this emergency. Right. So um, a lot of it's been just getting them regulated quickly. And what do you do for acute situations? So homeopathics for acutes, um, the, the major minerals, making sure those are, you know, ample and using things like DMSO a lot, obviously for, for these things and just instructing people how to deal with, you know, the fallout from all of that. So that's been a shift in focus for the emergency side, but as far as the learning go is going, um, everything that has anything to do with water, anything that has anything to do with frequency, biophotonic energy, nature, the natural world, what, what can nature teach us about this place and us and how we have optimal health and it gets simpler. I find as we go there, it becomes simpler and simpler. It's like, it distills simpler because we get all up here, right? And we get all in our heads and then, and then we're like, okay, let's get to the next essence. Let's concentrate that further. And I'm fascinated by this, the quantum biology stuff. And I've been reading and buying books um, all about this sort of topic or research on the topic of structured water or the crystalline, you know, matrix inside of us, how to, to find unit literally playing with my tuning forks a lot lately you know how I feel with certain tunes where I put it on my body do I even touch my body with it um and my upregulation of my own energy states um and using crystals in water gem I have an ancient book and this is crazy Clive when I first 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 like the first interest of health at all for me like the very first book and the very first everything was about color therapy. It was called vibrational therapy. And it was about color therapy and, and putting a color layer. This guy had, I forget his name now, had a gel sort of um, photonic beam and he would put gel color layers over and he would bathe you in a specific color frequency and heal you doing that. And I'm like, what, what do you, color therapy? That's crazy whoa, man, you know, and that and frequency and, and sound healing. So that was where I began. And I find it fascinating that come through all of this now, 20 years later, 20 something years later. Okay. And here I am full circle, going back to essence of frequency and water and, and sound therapies and this kind of thing. I mean, I've always been interested in every gadget I've kept my hands on because I find that this speaks to me about our ancient world when we knew we knew to ring the bell you know and the bells would be your you bathe in sound and you restructure yourself and you heal with like big big bells all the big bells that, that they we used to have you know and it's like we're remembering something that was wiped from us it was taken from us and we're maybe we wanted to forget so we could have the excitement of remembering again you know but that's where I've been reading and like Gilbert Ling's stuff, which is really hard. It's really hard to read. It's really chemistry geeky stuff. So I can only take so much before I want to run away. But Pollock's stuff and 
uh, uh, Ma and some of the other researchers, their work is helping me on another level of this multidisciplinary knowledge of systems biology and, and how it, all this technology sort of fits together. And I find it refreshing because ultimately, if we understand this, it's we have always an answer. We don't have to even get complicated. We can really simplify getting sunlight, grounding, you know, getting our circadian rhythm in balance um, in a dark room, you know, uh, dealing with what, what light we are being exposed to on a constant basis, understanding even contagion from the sense that we are electrochemical and we have antenna and we just want to know what our natural world is telling us. And we have all these feedback systems and that there are triggers for us to cleanse and detox and and balance things and that that's our interrelationship with this whole natural world including other people and that we don't need to be afraid of anybody because ultimately it comes down to our own behavior and our own <clears throat> thinking because our thinking our emotions you know all of these aspects change our frequency change how we interact with our our world right so that to me is really exciting because there's a lot more research going on in these areas now i mean i know it's it's not new in a way, it's old, it's old new. <laughs> We're putting it through the lens of now from a lot of the knowledge we kind of unearthed before and refreshing it and presenting it in a cohesive way. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. That's all I wanna learn and read about and teach about these days. <laughs> the person who developed that sort of color projection was Dinshaw, does that name ring a bell? No, well, the person I just remembered, his name was Dr. McNaughton. I don't know his first name. And I, I, that's the author of that particular, no, sorry, it wasn't the author. It was, the author was presenting the work of Dr. McNaughton, color therapy. He didn't write it. Um, I'm sure it referred to that individual though, because it was so back when, right? And um, all the original. A, a while back. I, there's the yeah. other thing that, um, you know, those buildings they call churches, the ones with the organs in it. You probably heard this idea that actually you went in there to heal your organs with organ music. Whether that's yep. true or not, I don't know, but I quite like the idea of it. Me too. One of the other interesting things at this conference I went to was this Italian doctor called uh, Valerio Di Nicola, who's working in England currently, and he worked with the University of Rome for years and they developed a way to trigger regrowth uh, of knees and hip joints by triggering stem cells. And what, what they do, and they've treated, uh, for over five years, they've treated a lot of patients. I don't know the number, but probably in the thousands. And what they do is they take about 10 mil of blood and they put it in a machine, which sort of shakes it about, centrifuges it, whatever. And... Um, after 24 hours, the blood has gone into a solid bit, bit of gloop. And so what they do is they cut this little blob of, of blood into little tiny slivers, ever so tiny. Then they make a three mil incision, three of them in the knee or the, or the hip, and they push these little bits of your uh, uh, blood in it. it. It's basically heat, heat shock protein that they're putting mm. in. You turn blood into heat heat shock protein 
And generally speaking, within five days, their pain has gone. Within a few months, um, the fact that all these people needed, were told they needed new knees or plastic knees or whatever they, and none of them did. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a tenth of the cost of this operation is a tenth of the price of a new knee. And people recover, start recovering from day one rather than suffering for ages and never being the same again. So wow. how long will it be until the local doctor down the road finds out about this miraculous new procedure Well, 20 years, 30 years? And how many other, and how refined we'll continue to get with that where it might be we find the perfect frequency that stimulates the stem cells at the area and then we just, somebody hums on your knee. <laughs> Well, yeah, like the cat's fur. Yeah. So no. the next one they're working on, uh, they, they think will be uh, linguinal hernias. So not having to put mesh in mm. to fix it or something, but actually uh, just just get the regrowth going. Uh, yeah, that's important, that one, because they're, they're very difficult, uh, some of them, to heal just because... You got to tell someone to go on a, you know, upside down for like a few hours and not move and walk around to allow it to heal. Most people won't, won't become immobilized enough to allow the healing to take place or stop eating or whatever, you know. Well, exactly. Or do the exercises, you know, that, that also help. Uh, there are lots of videos showing exercises. Um, somebody, I was talking to, um, a practitioner yesterday who was saying that uh, comfrey as an ointment or an oil rubbed in linguinal hernias can help them heal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I don't doubt that. Yeah. I would so, add that with DMSO, maybe that sort of thing to get it yeah. to penetrate. But let's talk a little bit about DMSO because uh, years ago I studied Dr. Jacobs, who was the first one really to play with DMSO. And I've never felt too confident because of the, the risks of people doing something stupid, like rubbing DMSO on their knee while wearing rubber gloves, then putting on their lycra trousers and dissolving <laughs> the rubber gloves and the lycra right into their bloodstream. How do you get across the how to use DMSO properly. I mean, well, that's why I wrote the book because you need to have some knowledge. It's not a substance you can just guess. Um, like a lot of, a lot of these, um, you know, just like any supplement, you need to understand how to use it properly so you don't hurt yourself, right? Um, same thing with the, the drugs. I mean, if you overdosed on one of their drugs, you'd be dead real quick, but you're not going to be dead from DMSO. I mean, even if, you did that. First of all, if you use like that synthetic glove, it would dissolve in your hand pretty quickly. So you'd know, oh, something's wrong there because the glove will break apart by the DMSO. And secondly, if they put lycra or whatever, a lot of those molecules um, for the most part are really big and heavy and, and can't transmit through. So there is a limit to the transdermal nature of DMSO for this molecular weight. So that's the good news. Um, and, and the damage that's done, if they did something stupid for the most part, uh, they would either know right away or they would, um, the DMSO would be used just 
uh, to remove the thing they just poison them with, themselves with rather than actually being used to help the body detox from the other substances that they're trying to actually grab onto and remove and upregulate, you know, glutathione function and get rid of some of the ROS inflammatory states and get that under control and these sorts of things. So the only problems I think that I've run into of complications where people, you know, didn't have enough knowledge is when they are really toxic and stagnated. So they have like cataracts or they have um, a lot of uh, metals sitting in refined tissues, like brain tissue, or they've had metals in the mouth and these sorts of things, or they have some sort of blockage where DMS is a mover. So it will mobilize a lot of this stuff. And if you haven't properly prepared the terrain for increased mobilization of wastes, then as you know, when you start to increase detoxification methods and you don't have the amunctories or the release systems ready to go to uh, take the extra, then you can get symptoms and it's very uncomfortable for people. And they, and the world out there loves those symptoms, loves labeling the symptoms as bad, right? Oh, you have a headache or you have a this, so well, that's bad. We must get rid of it. It's a symptom. It means you're diseased. And it means if we get rid of the symptom, then you're not diseased anymore. But that's very simplistic thinking. It's not really what's happening. The symptoms are showing you the cure. It's showing you the way in which the body's trying to actually heal and the symptoms are purposeful, um, not a problem in and of itself. Yes, we don't like feeling ill. We don't like the, we don't like the feelings, but it's actually the correction. And if we understand that better, then we realize when we have them, it means we're either deficient in something, overloaded in another way, or not applying the uh, releases appropriately. And that's why it'll start to use the skin to push things off or use the lungs to put things out if the liver is not you know, able to keep up with the load. And so sometimes people will have complications or think they have complications. For example, my DMSO eye drops, right? They dissolve cataracts. But if you don't have enough magnesium in the system to continually shuttle and remove through the liver system from the blood, then the body will just deposit it somewhere else once the DMSO mechanism wears out. So oftentimes you'll get like a temporal arteritis situation from, uh, uh, from these cataracts being dissolved and the material just resettling in the vein here or in the artery here, rather than it removing it out and getting it out of the body. And then they have a secondary concern that they're worried about. Of course, they react and stop using the DMSO thinking, oh, the DMSO caused this problem in me. But that wasn't the problem. It was actually, you didn't complete the process of elimination. Now you have a secondary complication. So it's really for lack of awareness um, and uh, fear of the unknown. And that's one reason why I wanted people to read my book so that they felt more comfortable, more confident. They know different dilutions. They know what to mix it with, what not to do. And then they can have less chance of doing something that causes a detox, you know, reaction that they're, they don't like. I mean, colds and flus are a classic detox response where the body is overloaded. It's triggered into fluffing up all the stuff that's settled to the bottom and has to go somewhere and the symptoms are there to try to help it come out. And then we go, oh gosh, I got this, I got that. And when you didn't get anything, <laughs> you just, 
we're stimulated into purging and you're having an improper purge and it's uncomfortable. And now if you support the, the forward motion of what the symptoms trying to do, if you actually move it out rather than say, don't, then you get complete restructuring healing rather than complications later. And a lot of those long-term diseases are because we're stagnant. It's not going anywhere. It's just sitting or it's walled off. The body has to wall off things that will cause electrical disharmony to the communication system. If it's, if it's in the way, it's gonna, it's gonna shove it, it's gonna encapsulate it, it's gonna put fascia around it, and it's gonna make it stagnant. And then that can fester and become a problem, right? But if we continually purge and cleanse, then there's nothing to wall off, there's no complication. So I think with DMSO, people just need to know and understand it. And that's why I do the videos, that's why I wrote the book, that's why I do what I do so that you have the knowledge to use it properly. It's just like any tool. Um, you can use it poorly or you can use it well. So um, for people who want to buy the book, uh, what's it called and where's the best place to get it? It's called Healing with DMSO, and it's pretty much available at any bookseller, Amazon and Barnes and Noble, Chapters Indigo, all those places. I have a website, healingwithdmso.com, if you want to buy it from me or you want a signed copy. And also I have it on my website, yumnaturals.store, um, if you wanted to get other things, and um, dmso.store for all the DMSO products. It also, the book is also available there. Let's say somebody's got to the stage where they know they've got a cataract, you know, their vision's dulling a little bit, or the optometrist has told them. How long would should people how, how long might it take to dissolve that cataract and go back to perfect vision? Uh it's always gonna be different for different people, but generally speaking, within a, a six-month turnaround seems to be the outset of the time uh, for dissolving a true cataract. Um, although people have reported it going away within three months if they don't have a lot of accumulation. So it really depends on how far gone it is. And, um, and that's why I always suggest like, just work with the DMSO first. It, also castor oil in the eyes can help uh, mobilize it and dissolve it. Uh, even urine therapy using an eye cup with urine uh, adds stem cells into the situation so it can upregulate uh, dissolution and um, proper structured water is being given so it'll help the eye itself. And just work with those things first before going like to cataract surgery because once the surgery is done, you can't use DMSO in the eyes because it's a synthetic plastic kind of lens and it'll the DMSO can blur the lens or damage the lens by dissolving it slightly. So, you know, once you go there, it's like you can't fix it. And then the problem never is really repaired because ultimately the cataract is a systemic problem. It's not even an eye problem. It's a vitamin C deficiency of the eye itself. And it is uh, depositing calcium calcification, which means the body is already low in magnesium states as well. And it's not handling calcium prop properly. So that means vitamin D could be off. Vitamin K2 could be off. Metabolism based on iodine could be off. So there's more going on to why someone would get cataracts in the eye than, oh, I have a problem with the eye, right? And the liver expresses through the eye, as we understand from traditional Chinese medicine. And 
in order to have a complete healing. So people who aren't getting, you know, complete dissolution of the cataract or it's returning, they must look to the, the system itself, the liver, and make sure that they are cleansing and clearing and assisting liver health for complete resolution of the problem. For the liver, what 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 would be, let's say that somebody's got a cataract and they decided they want to do something about the liver, what 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 do you recommend as the ideal way? Because there are a few liver gallbladder flushes and so on that I don't like uh, personally. Um, my friend Spencer, who runs Remedy Link, he does a suppository to clean the liver that way, which is interesting. Have you what 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 would you suggest that people might want to consider? Uh, gen yeah. Um, I mean, generally, I did a video on uh, explaining how magnesium is critical to understanding the seven main routes of elimination of the liver, right? So making sure your magnesium levels are optimal, obviously. Um, and then I generally support things like castor oil packs over the liver. Uh, coffee enemas, I talk extensively about coffee enemas as they are a liver support or liver cleanse. Uh, not so much colon cleanse or whatever, but you do get the colon clear out from the enema which is also beneficial in that if you have stool sitting there, the portal vein is constantly having to detox the blood and make sure that you don't, you know, auto poison yourself with your wastes. And if you keep your bowels moving well, then you're not, um, the body is one less task for it to do, to be involved with. So the enemas will help with that also. Um, and then you're getting a lot of glutathione creation from the enemas and if people don't want to do them, then you'll find them taking things like NAC or glutathione supplements and those sorts of things, which will boost those um, free radical scavengers, which happens in inflamed state, chronically speaking, where I was saying the mitochondria are in the dysfunction, their signals they are sending out create reactive oxygen species because it's, they're calling for the inflammation to try to help heal the system. The problem is there's not enough materials or there's deficiency states and things aren't getting resolved. So then you're just in this chronic inflammatory thing. So you're kind of stepping in and saying, all right, enough's enough with this inflammatory <laughs> problem. Let's get this under control. Let's put the nutrition in. Let's upregulate our main detox organ, which is the liver and assist the body in, in the mess that we've you know made for it basically. Uh, so I usually suggest starting with those few things. And then there are spagyric remedies that I really like a lot, and um, which is like a combination of a homeopathic. So there's a titration and potentization done, but the spagyric is, you know, burnt. Uh, so the material is actually taken away and taken apart and then put back together again. So there's an alchemy there. It's a bit more um, direct. And I have, I carry on my yumnaturals.store all the Pacana line of products. And they are uh, homeopathic extractions as spagyrics that will treat any, any of the organ systems and help them internally drain. So the cellular systems become organized and you just basically put them, the drops in water, 15 drops of each in the water three times a day. So for example, apohepat, that's one for the liver. And I've had, oh, I actually had a woman who had fatty liver 
come to me and she had been to the doctor and had her labs with her and stuff. And, you know, she had already changed her diet and it wasn't going away. And I gave her topical magnesium with DMSO and I gave her Picana Apohepat and that's all she did for a month. And then she went and got her labs done again and she had no fatty liver after that, those two things, that was it. Well, so very good. Yeah, that was a good case because she was kind of already primed with her diet, which was nice. Thought I'd do her little wrist treatment while uh, you were away. <laughs> oh, very good. So to tell me some of the results you've been having with, with the Tesla device there. Yeah, well, I've mainly been using this little guy. I really yeah. love, love this little one a lot because it gives me all I need. I actually broke one of the coils, which really upset me. <laughs> uh, well, um, I can send you a replacement. Which, which one did you break? I broke, I think it's, I didn't put it here. It oh, here it is. It, it was longer. I broke here. Oh. It, it was right. one of the long, you know, the bigger, the fattest yeah. one. Yes. Yeah. Um, let me make a note. And if I can find a replacement, you know, there. They're the rarest of the lot, virtually, because they're so delicate. They're so delicate. And what happened was I had it in the case. I guess I had it wrongly put in the place of it. And the lid closed on itself. And it, yeah. it, so the lid broke the uh, broke the bit. That's yeah. what happened. And um, this, this other Tesla machine I do use occasionally if I find... Uh, for, uh, for some of the other components like if I want to do here yeah. or I want to do like the ear or the or the mouth oh I've done really good stuff inside where my tooth is missing on the side where I get migraines from awesome I can if I get it early it's all about that if I can stop the whole inflammatory cycle before it really runs away it's awesome if I can get on that machine if I can you know do the things that I take I take uh, cayenne pepper and some other blood supports, DMSO, that sort of thing. Try to get the blood open and control the inflammatory response. Then I can stop it. I can stop it before it starts. Um, but this this is the one I'm on a lot until it gets like burning hot where I can't do it anymore. <laughs> so I really find them helpful for mobilization, like I'm working on this wrist that I went to uh, someone who wasn't really trained and she was massaging me and she did this weird fascial splitting thing, but she ended up damaging the delicate tissues around my wrist. And every now and again, I'll get like a surge of pain in it. So I know it hasn't fully repaired. So I've been working on old injuries and things with it. And it's definitely reduced reduce the amount of times I feel that. Um, and it's just, again, you're adding electrons into your body. You're adding this violet light, the light itself being a frequency that has healing properties, right? And we are electrical. And so just as a pick-me-up, like if I feel low energy, if I feel tired, I notice that right away. Like it's a pick-me-up energetically. Um, my dad had came to me with a 
gastric ulcer diagnosed and he was in a poorly way because he didn't tell me for like a week. <laughs> so he, typical, typical dad, right? Doesn't want to bother me with it, right? And uh, he was lost a lot of weight, couldn't keep food down, vomiting, the whole thing. And, um, you know, I gave him call it, uh, bone broth and sea uh, moss gel right away and got him on this machine for pain. And I mean, he was out of pain within two hours. Once I corrected his diet and put him on the protocol, he hasn't had any pain problems, digesting stools are normal, you know, and he's just still healing it obviously, but uh, it, we're getting it done. And this was part of his energy. Cause he was, he was like just dragging himself. He just couldn't even sit upright. So this really helped him kind of perk up. And then he went, he went outside like a few hours later, started doing yard work. <laughs> like, like dad, okay, you know, come and rest, you know, <laughs> glad you feel better, but you still have to heal, you know, so, well, but they're really awesome. Well, yeah. I mean, don't let them get too hot because some yeah. you know, depend often the, um, uh, the, uh, a part that actually stops the um well that insulates it is often beeswax so you don't oh. want to get it too hot otherwise the insulation can melt okay gotcha well not to the point where you're you're burning <laughs> just you you kind of know where it's done yeah um, but, you know, but better to do short periods of time and let it cool down probably um, yeah there, there was something else um oh yes you know you were talking about the fourth stage of water of course these devices are creating plasma and which is you could say the fourth stage of matter you know you've got gas you've got liquid you've got solid and plasma and i mean i like these because you can literally see the plasma i mean it's just absolutely visible you can't miss it it's fantastic um, yeah i think if you had plasma with water now you have your crystalline lattice where you have a plasma infused or biophotonic infused lattice work or hexagonal lattice work of this organized water that is like fluid. It works as a fluid, yet it is still a crystalline grid-like structure, which is a an, its own phase it's in between phase of hardness and fluid right and plasma tried? is like that to ether like it's like that to air or to ether as it is as as fourth phase is to to water in the body you know have you tried charging up water just dunking say the general purpose electrode or something right in the water and charging it up i'm not very sensitive and i uh, I, you know, some people are really sensitive. They can tell the moment you've thought a thought at the water, let alone charged it up with a billion electrons. So I've, it's, I, I'm, I've been meaning to actually try it. I was talking to, to a gardener this afternoon uh, about um, charging up water, and she's going to do experiments with different um, plants and seeds and so on, just like you can do with structured water. You know, obviously, you grow plants in structured water. If it's structured well, you'll see the difference in the growth patterns quite quite substantial oh. in some cases. Oh yeah, 
and electroculture talks about that too, right? Electro agriculture. Yeah, hundred years ago, ago, that was sort of quite common. Common, yeah. I mean, you're organizing the electrical ionic quality in the water in the soil itself to help it flow and move and communicate and grow and all of the things that it has to do oxygenate, and it's it's brilliant and. I mean, they've done studies to structured water. Even my spooky, two, like I have a spooky two rife generator here. That's one of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I have I have a few different aspects of the spooky two, um, but they have like a, a a a different type of structure. Like they can use the hexagonal clusters. They've done studies with the spooky two machine, um, and shown about how to rehydrate the body with structured water properly and different just various experiments where you put water on the device and you know what does the water how does the device change the water you know how do you feel with the water and yes I guess in some cases you have to be a little bit sensitive to pick up on it because you don't you just don't know if you have like an it you know, you're not really tuning in all day. It's like, where's my energy level at right now and whatever. But um, I mean, this is scalar technology, right? You're using scalar waves with the spooky two to charge the water. The water becomes hexagonal. And then you're ingesting it, upregulating all your processes, basically. So I think there's many ways that we can alter water and still um like it maybe will come down to like there's 10 waters that heal everything in the body <laughs> in different admixtures i mean that might be where we get to you know um with our medicine that me- our main medicine is just vibrated water in different frequencies I- i've had it where you know you make your own personal water like from reading the green cedars of russia series the anastasia books and where you know your own structured water through your urine through your fluids is given to the plants your own structured saliva you know you soak the seeds in your mouth um, you present them to the sun the moon the stars like this sort of way of planting where you're actually fine-tuning this feedback where the plant itself will manufacture the peptides the molecules the things that you need specific to you to you if you feed it the information of your body. And uh, that's, they're doing all kinds of experiments with that kind of stuff too, which is just make your own perfect medicine for yourself based on that. It's amazing. It reminds me of the autonosode idea, the autonosode idea where if you've got a blood problem, you take a little bit of blood out of your body and take it down to a homeopathic level. If you've got a skin problem, let's say you've got spots on your face, you take a little bit of pus and use that. If you've got a urinary tract infection, use a little bit of urine and so on. You know, also know so that we've got the answer in us. We just have to dilute it enough. Yeah, we just have to um, make it electrically available information. We're, we're informing ourselves of what's happening because our communication networks are broken. So it's like, you know, how do you get the message to the end area if that meridian is not open or you don't have the energy to transmit the knowledge? Well, you tell the body with the no-sode or with the other information, say, hey, did you know? <laughs> 
this is this is a problem can you address it can we try to get other you know other solutions going so it's like you're um almost hacking your own feedback loops through the brain system and now i know that whatever's happening whatever they're doing to our realm with you know geoengineering programs and all the cell cell service and emfs and whatever it's it's affecting us you know and it's affecting our way that we communicate with our with nature with our reality and it, you know memory um how we are like able to self regulate and these sorts of things i'm i'm my mind's been on that a lot lately like how to protect ourselves from this constant degrading of our systems electrically because that is our life that is our life force and do, you know where are these things coming in and whittling away at our life force because um, i find the healing times at least from my experience have decreased or sorry the the time to heal has actually increased as opposed to where i used to be you know 10 years ago even when i would be assisting people and see how their progress is i feel like it's we're pushing through so many more layers now that it's like slower healing times um and my conclusion is there must be something affecting our ether or electricity to the point where we're not we're it's suppressing something some sort of communication within us because we're so um connected to this world we're not just this insular little box body box we we have fields <laughs> lots of them and they interact with our world so so that's also an area where i want to look into more and kind of understand how to avoid a lot of that and um and have the healing happen more rapid as we've seen with homeopathic approaches i've seen miraculous like instantaneous healings using homeopathics right where you have a swelling you give apis is gone and you're like you can literally watch it shrinking right so i don't know is that even possible are we getting instantaneous healing the same way if we're flooded with dirty electricity and flooded with synthetic light and flooded with other pollution emf pollution right that's a, it's an important question that we need to really sort out well um it's been fabulous talking to you i think uh, we should probably finish there because we could talk for the next several days um uh, <laughs> uh, but i'd love to talk to you again at some point uh, absolutely in, in your future is there anything you'd like to add that we've you'd like to cover or have we pretty much there well a couple things i want to mention people are in the uk your vitamin d is amazing that you have like the 10,000 international units per capsule like that is fantastic because i've been reading this book here which alludes to a lot of the stuff i was talking about um jeff t bowls and he experimented with himself on super high doses and now i know that some of the metabolites of d aren't made from the from the colchicephal like we need it from the sun we need both um but still if you're in severe deficiencies as most of us are through the winter or deficiencies from taking drugs and stuff it's a lifesaver literally i mean it's like sunlight in a pill 
and your one is awesome because you don't have to take like 10 pills. Um, so I really, really enjoy that. And I love your magnesium. I, I, I love your magnesium. I, it's one of the best magnesiums I've taken. So, um, I just wanted to say that, you know, I really, I really feel the difference with what you got and, um, and also the iodine as well. And I've been, I did test patches on myself with the iodine, which I, I'll, I do from time to time, but I hadn't done it in a while. And I did test, like I did a big test patch here and I was, it just sucked it. It just, just drank it out of my skin, like within a couple of hours. So I've, I got myself to a state of, of deficiency of iodine and I didn't even know it just probably by being so active all the time and working and thinking all the time and this sort of thing uh, and stress levels and whatever. So, um, so that's really important for people just to cover your bases first. Now look at your, then look at your water and your lifestyle factors. And once you get all those ducks in a row, everything starts to come together. Like you realize, oh, here's where I know my problems are. Here's why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. And there's so many things we can do to help ourselves. And there's so much <clears throat> out there, but to keep it simple, stupid, right? Like start with the basic stuff first, because it could be just that. It could be you're just deficient in magnesium. You're just deficient in iodine. And that's the, your main problem, right? So anyway, I wanted to give a shout out to your, your supplements because I think they're really excellent. So, Well, thank you very much. And um, yeah, they're so good. I take them myself. <laughs>